Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Subscribe on iTunes at Toddcast Podcast. Hello. Dallin. Janine Cock, how are you? Hey, buddy. Thank you for doing this. Absolutely, absolutely. Been kind of binging on your music uh, as of late, finding out I was going to be talking to you. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? That's a good thing, man. I, I'm really digging the sound, man. You guys must be jonesing. Like, how's the camp, uh, you know, for COVID and surviving and getting by, like, and not playing live shows must be just killing you guys. Yeah, you know, not being able to to do shows right now has made me really appreciate how important that moment uh, actually is to have. Like psychologically speaking, it's almost like therapy for me. And what do you, what's your take on um, you know doing these live stream shows? And and I noticed that a couple of the guys from one of the guys in Godsmack, one of the guys in Stained, they're they're going to be doing like a drive in theater thing where it's like socially distanced and all that. Like, what's your take on that? Would you entertain that idea well yeah i mean we're, we, we're looking for any and every opportunity we can to play uh safely for people right uh, we recorded a, a set with some musicians in a studio down in uh provo in utah like a couple weeks ago and they'll find their way onto the internet sooner or later i'm sure but uh, we've also been in talks to do a, a socially distanced show up at a, a stadium in in salt lake city a soccer stadium Okay, not so that's going to go through or not because plans seem to change day by day. But yeah. So what would what would the capacity for that be? Do you know any idea, Dallin? Like it, you know, a, a stadium would normally be what fifteen, eighteen thousand people. Like in a COVID world, how many people would that be? I was told they're going to try to limit it to around twelve hundred because every okay. uh, not every individual would have their own space, but it would be grouped and you know quartered off like three or four people to a. A particular space or something like that i'm not really right sure. like you're you're going with your bodies it's not like you're distancing and yeah. Yeah. well i mean there is distancing between parties and uh mm-hmm. you know on, from what i understand about it like uh they only let a certain amount of people in at a time to keep lines from forming and i don't really know how it all works i'm not sure if they do either but they seem <laughs> to figure it out but uh, we're keeping our fingers crossed and hoping that it happens if, if it doesn't then you know it that sucks, but it's also, you know, we don't we don't want to play at the ex- expense of anybody's health. So. No, of course not. I mean, I, I just saw shows that were booked uh, in the summer of 2021 with like Kiss. Uh, mm-hmm. Pearl Jam is doing a big one with the Pixies. You know, and I'm hoping that, of course, it's that's going to happen, but maybe that's just optimistic thinking at the same time. Like, who knows? Yeah, I mean, it's important, I think, to be optimistic about it, but, you know, prepare for the best or hope for the best and prepare yeah. for the worst, I guess. For the worst, yeah. Dude, let's go back to the beginning before you're in any bands. Of course, you were in uh, a panic at the disco prior to your project with uh, I don't know how, but they they found me. Is that the are you going full out the full name? I don't know how, but they found me. Is I mean, for for press reasons, we shorten it to IDK How or just ID, I yeah. Uh, so let's go back before bands and like in the Weeks House. What are your parents playing as you're a kid growing up? Like, what are you being exposed to? Oh man, they you know when we would clean the house on Saturday. It seemed that my parents would always put on either the the oldie station or just basic middle of the road top forty stuff. Yeah, 
I, I grew up with that sort of, you know, stuff floating in the ether around me. I didn't really pay attention to it, but I was like semi-aware of a lot of older rock stuff that my dad listened to. And then, you know, the Sheena Easton, Gloria Estefan stuff that my mom was listening to. So okay. I just have an appreciation for that stuff, even though it is like cheeseball yes. 80s. Like Same. A, a certain charm. Like, like put on a Laura Branigan song, Gloria, and I'm... Oh, Gloria. I love Gloria. I'm, turning that up <laughs> every every single talent show that you went to had a teenage girl that was dancing to gloria right kind of like a almost like a radio feel at your house then if, if it's all over the map like that well yeah but it was all very casual i mean my my parents weren't uh you know really big on on music it was, it was just sort of a very oh. casual pastime you know put the radio on and it's background noise for saturday when you're cleaning the house but uh right right it's not an interest that I was really encouraged to pursue as a kid because I, I wanted to play the guitar from the time I was three, but oh. never, never really did until I was 15 and I bought my own guitar and my parents were really disappointed that I wasted my money on this thing that was going to take me nowhere and turn me into a degenerate lowlife. They probably have a differing opinion than that present day. Well, yeah, I think it's <laughs> because, you know, when I was a kid and talking about wanting to you know, play rock and roll and have that be a job, like their heads go to the, the Motley Crues of the time and, you know, these hair metal right. bands. Snorting like, lines of ants and, yeah. But, but uh, you know, when I was a teenager, it was bands like uh, Nirvana and Pearl Jam and, you know, despite whatever, uh, you know, personal issues they may have had, they did have a set of ethics when it came to rock and roll. And that's what I grew up admiring. And um, so, so I learned that rock and roll as a job can be whatever you make it. You know, if you want it to be a 24-hour party, you certainly could do that. Right. I don't think you're going to last very long if you do, unless, you know, you're exceptionally lucky. Right. But, uh, Keith I, Richards I, comes to mind. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I always just wanted to, to treat it like a job and like a career and have, have it be something that could, I could use to take care of my family. Right. Great, man. That's great. Uh, wh what was your first concert that you went to? Um, I think it was Counting Crows in like oh, wow. 1994. So that would have been right at the heart of uh, Round Here and Mr. Yeah, Jones. And I think it was before Round Here. But uh, I think the single at the time was uh, Long December, like in that era. I'm not sure okay. what record that was. I think that might be the same one, isn't it? August and everything after? It could be. I've sort of fallen off the wagon. I still love Counting Crows and I love all that. Old yeah, stuff. great band. I mean arguably one of the like there i put those guys in the same category as like a hootie and the blowfish that were absolutely freaking massive but have kind of fallen off the wayside yeah i'm, I'm sure that they're all you know doing their own thing and are happy to be you know have have had the, the career that they've had I, I certainly would be if i were them oh totally absolutely i mean they could probably fire it up again and, and play thousand seaters you know oh, in a pre-covid yeah. world no problem they did that live double album in the 90s that was really, really great, too. I, I still spin that song, uh, Chelsea. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that yes. one. Yes. Yeah, they have a lot of really good songs. I'm curious about the, uh, the Desert Island question, because this kind of peels into who Dallin Weeks is. You have three records you're allowed to bring. You're on a deserted island. What are they? Um, this year's model by Elvis Costello and the Attractions. I've been trying to get Elvis Costello as a guest of this podcast forever, and I know his booking agent, and I can't get him. Oh, wow. You know, we, I, uh, I played a, a show with him, a couple shows, but once um, 
with Panic years ago, our, our dressing room was directly next door to his. And I'm such a huge fan. And cool. And I kept throughout the day, you know, I kept walking by his dressing room going, you know, trying to sneak peeks. It's just, sneak a peek. <laughs> yeah, but, um, but yeah, that record for sure. It's been one of my favorites for the Yeah, longest. great choice. Uh, number two would probably be Weezer's Pinkerton. Okay. Uh, came out when I was like 14 or 15, and I fell in love with it immediately. It was one of those records that, you know, all of my friends kind of disparaged and didn't like because it wasn't like the Blue Album, and it was a little too weird. And Right. I, I loved I think it took people about 10 years to come around and go, oh, this is a really good record. But um, to me, that one's always been really special. Yeah. And then number three would probably be... Uh, either uh, Kimono My House by Sparks. Oh, I don't. I'm not even sure if I know that band. Sparks has been around since like the early '70s, and they pretty much invented Queen and any really? number of bands who took a giant page out of their playbook. Okay, they still make music to this day. They've been making music as Sparks uh, for forty something years. Wow. Legendary band. And if you go back and listen to their catalog, you'll plainly be able to see that, oh, this band was born from this Sparks record and this band was born from this Sparks record. So it's, it's really cool. It's one of those bands that for some inexplicable reason have flown under the radar of totally. public consciousness, but they deserve to be like one of the most legendary bands out there. It sounds like I have some homework to do after this interview. Yeah, definitely dig into it. <laughs> with a song called Something for the Girl with Everything. Or okay. no, no, This Town Ain't Big Enough for the Both of Us. Okay. okay. That, that song is off Kimono My House. Really, really great. We have homework. Tell us, because um, uh, the drummer in your band, uh, Ryan, is a longtime friend. How did this project kind of take wings? Um, well, I met Ryan more than a decade ago when I was doing a band called the Brobex based out of Salt Lake City. But uh, yeah, he was sort of a hired gun working for this and that person. and I, I needed a drummer and his name sort of popped up on the radar and we happened to be playing the same festival one day. So I went to check him out and just was really impressed by what he was not only able to do on the drums, but participating and contributing to the show of the artist that he was playing for. Like he's always been that guy to serve a, a bigger picture. Um, and he is so talented and has a great work ethic too. Uh, so we, we, we worked together in the Brobex for a while, but always stayed in contact. Like after I went to, to panic, he worked for other bands too, but right. anytime I, I put a demo or something together and needed drums, like he would be my guy to come in and, and do that with. Oh, so when cool. I started making, I don't know how recordings, he was my guy and we got to hanging out more and we're just in really similar situations of, of wanting to, to do something else uh, with, with music and just for ourselves and not, not any other reason than just to go out and, and have fun in our spare time. Right. And how great is it that, uh, you know, your buddy is also driven like you are, like nothing like pulling along dead weight. Exactly. Well, I think that's why we've always gotten along so well because he's, he's got, you know, a singular I when it comes to treating uh, music like a job rather than a party. So right. Well, and you know, he he likes to have a good time too. Probably more so than me. I'm pretty boring, but uh, well, he's a drummer, so. But he works. But he works hard, and no, that's, that's, that's why I wanted him to to be in this with me and do this with me because he's not only a really hard worker, but he's a sweetheart too, and he he deserves to have you know the best things happen in his life. So right. I'm, 
I'm hoping we can make that happen for each other. Yeah, that's great. I have limited time with you, so I want to rip through a few, um, uh, you know, lifestyle questions. I want to get to know you more than kind of, you know, what you're known for music and stuff. What are you, what are you binging on right now? What are you binge watching? You know, I haven't been watching a lot of TV, but when I do put something on, it seems to be The Office usually. Mm. And, and that's always the go-to. But um, Which do you like better, the uh, original English version or the American well, I love both. It's been a minute since I've watched the British version, but I just started it up again maybe like two nights ago because my wife hasn't seen the British version. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> so I'm like, trying to get her into it. But uh, Ricky Gervais is just yeah. like just a jewel in, in wow. the entertainment world. Absolutely. You know who else is, is great? There's another show I have been binge-watching that you reminded me of. Uh, you know who Matt Berry is? He's another British comedian. Not sure. Maybe to see him. He seems to have another show every few years on the BBC or something. And it's always comedy and it's always really brilliant. But this particular show is called Toast of London. Okay. So funny. Um, so that's, that's another one that I've been binge watching. But he, yeah. he's right up there on, on Ricky Gervais's level as far as like comedy chops. And just oh, that's rad. With uh, Chad Boswick, um, Black Panther actor, passing are you a fan of all of that or what marvel and dc are pushing out to are you a big uh, superhero guy yeah i've been into comics since i was a teenager you know i was big on x-men and spider-man and, yeah same um you know i loved black panther and chadwick's contributions to the mcu i think were great but i think learning about him as a person has really really impressed me um you know unfortunately you know learning about how you know altruistic he really was came after post-mortem yeah i mean and and like that shows the character of this guy to not be like oh look at me look at me look at all my endeavors i'm doing on the side and that's admirable admirable quality to have totally wasn't that something like um was it george michael had done that as well like he was giving philanthropic uh, donations like millions of dollars to uh charities around the world and he never mentioned a thing well, that's that's the way to do it, man. That's that's just classy. Yeah, hundred percent. If you could have a superpower, which power would you want to have? You know what? Sign me up for whatever Superman's got. You know, yeah. those Kryptonians have a, a little bit of everything. Won the lottery when it comes to superpowers. So, mm-hmm. what is your favorite superhero movie? Oh man, probably. That's a tough call, right? Yeah, that is pretty tough. I really liked uh, Iron Man. The first Iron Man was really great. That's the one. Yeah. Like, dude, that's the one. John Favreau set that bar. Like, dude, yeah. if you're gonna make a movie about Superman or Batman or X Men or Peter Parker, like, here's where you need to get to. Yeah, I, th- I think he's the the first real director to make a superhero movie that had a, like a real grasp on how to do a comic book movie uh, based in like a real world scenario and also stayed super true to the source material as well yeah i totally agree man iron man set the bar dude right out of the gate and then of course everything just now it's i mean end game was like yeah that was really great i love watching the uh the studio audience reactions to to the end game yeah Yeah. Those, those are always really fun yeah aliens do you think aliens have visited do you think they live among us I mean, it seems it seems like they have been around. You know, uh, there's stuff in the news going on, uh, talking about uh, you know objects discovered or materials not of an earthly origin. I mean, that's com- being confirmed in the news and by government sources and stuff. So it seems 
pretty obvious that it has happened, you know, what they are and what they, where they come from, who's to say, I mean, we don't know. Uh, but I think that's the, that's the biggest thing about it is like, we don't know. Is that unknown? It, it, it seems kind of, I don't think we know as much about it as we think we do. Yeah, know? I think that, so too. I think a lot's being, you know, held back from us as well too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But it, it seems like if we're the only ones in the universe, it seems like an awful waste of space, you know? Yeah, exactly. It's a big rabbit hole. Yeah. If not for I don't know how and, and Panic at the Disco and all your other bands, what would you be doing if, if not for music? Uh, I would have been in a padded room a long time ago. <laughs> a long, long time ago. Yeah. Uh, before, before music and even, you know, while pursuing music for years and years and years, I was doing blue collar jobs and do, trying to chase music down, you know, after, after I clocked out and uh, man, it, it was hard because I, I, you know, I grew up doing blue collar stuff, but I hated every single minute of it. And uh, you know, there, for me, there was nothing else to, to chase other than having music as a career. And Luckily for me, that, that lightning struck about uh, 10 or so years ago, and I've been able to be a full-time musician for about five or six years, which is huge. Dude, I mean, that's a dream of most musicians, just to live, live off your, your craft. I mean, to be able to collect a paycheck playing music is, is huge. I mean, like, if, if you can do that, like, you've already won the lottery. Yeah. But yeah. If, if you can do that just play music and do what you love full time. I mean, that's, that's like the guy that won a lot lottery two times in a row. You know? Yeah. It's crazy. Right. Yeah. Are, are you a big sports guy? What do you like to watch? What do you like to play? I'm not a big sports guy. I never, I've never, I played a little basketball when I was a kid, but my, my older brother, you know, he had a few years on me. So him and his friends would, they would get together and I would try to learn how to play basketball they'd always give me a hard time because i didn't know so i was kind of pushed off to the side and right really allowed to develop that interest so i kind of turned to music instead because there there was no one to sort of you know disparage my efforts to to learn this this new thing right yeah. well it turns out you did pretty good at that so yeah, you're well, doing all right here i mean i understand why, why people love sports but in in my experience it, it seems to bring out the worst in people Especially parents, hockey parents are just insane. Like, buddy, sit down. Yeah. It's a freaking game. If my kids show an interest in sports, and I'll definitely fully encourage that and try my best not to get into fistfights with sports dads and <laughs> coaches. <laughs> try your best, yeah. Dude, let me wrap it up. I'm going to uh, respect oh, yeah. your time here. I know you got another, uh, you got a 930 here. Um, can you nail it down to one career highlight thus far, or is that just way too hard to pick? No, not at all. Being able to do this band has been the highlight. It's everything that I ever wanted. It's just being able to create music and have nothing standing in between the initial idea and the finished product. You know, there's no filters, there's no suits coming in and changing stuff. And oh, dude, that. imagine that. Imagine being micromanaged to the point you're like, really? This is not what I want. Yeah, exactly. It, it's it's something I have a little bit of experience with, but uh, to be able to be in a situation where there is no more of that, there's there's just total creative freedom, and the fact that there are people out there who respond to it and connect to it is, I I really do feel like the guy that won the lottery twice. Yeah, 
Uh, good for you, man. That's great. I'm, I'm happy for you. I don't know how, but they found me. The album is released on October 23rd. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So it's coming up pretty quick. Well, best of luck, man. Thanks again for taking some time this morning to join us, uh, the Toddcast here in Vancouver, Canada. Absolutely. I thank you for having me. Really Yeah. It. I want to get this right, so uh, I'm, I'm not messing it up. Your, your band's uh, Twitter and Instagram pages are IDKHow. Yep. I don't know how. Sure. Uh, pretty straightforward, man. I guess we'll see you online. Thanks again. Absolutely. Thanks, Todd. The Toddcast Podcast on ToddHancock.ca. Some of the best content for kids is both entertaining and educational. And with 5 for 5 Trivia, not only do kids get to learn from each week's brand new theme, they also get to challenge themselves by playing trivia. A Parents' Choice Foundation Silver Award winner, this fast-paced trivia podcast is perfect for kids ages 6 to 12. It's released five times a week, so it's a quick addition to your daily routine and a fun challenge to get five out of five right on trivia topics like animal sounds, time travel, fictional ghosts, and underwater exploration. So get your high fives warmed up and check out Five for Five Trivia, available wherever you listen to podcasts.